You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today I figured it would be appropriate to talk about the Packers' schedule. Now, we've known the opponents for some time. We've done a lot of, you know, talking about these teams. I've walked through every single one of them so far. And as for the NFC North teams, we just got done talking about, uh, you know, after free agency, what these teams look like and all that kind of stuff. But I think it'll be good again because, number one, there's a lot of other teams we haven't talked about yet after free agency. And number two, it makes a big difference, you know, the order, which ones are home and away, which we kind of knew that anyways. When the bye week is, all that stuff. Now, in reality, we don't actually know anything. But we can put that caveat on everything that doesn't stop us from doing incessant mock drafts. That doesn't stop us from talking about what's going to happen in the upcoming football game when we have no idea. It doesn't stop us from talking about after the draft how good these guys are going to be or how bad or good the picture, right? I say that because you ha- you're going to have people saying you can't talk about strength of schedule, you can't talk about this, that, or the other because we just don't have enough information. And these are the same people that just got done doing 15 mock drafts for no reason whatsoever because you don't know anything. Also, other end of the spectrum is me, who will be doing a 2020 mock draft like the second the 2019 mock draft is over. I don't care. I just enjoy football, and I like thinking about stuff, and um, I like the draft. I like the NFL. And if I can play make-believe for football, I'm going to do it. So let's play make-believe today. In other words, we're going to learn everything we need to know about um, the Green Bay Packers schedule and how many wins we're going to have in April. That's what we're going to do today. Don't act like everybody else isn't doing it. Before we get there, as always, we've got a few uh, little things to get to. Number one, the Facebook group. Make sure you get in there because that's where it all goes down, man. I got a backlog of questions, by the way, to get to. We just, we're, we're not there yet. NFLBigBoard.com, I haven't done my update yet. I'm thinking maybe today I might do it. There's only, I think, two boards that I want to add, but then, you know, it's kind of like, well, you might as well just check some other ones. But I think today, we'll see what happens. If you have any questions, if you'd like to get something off your chest regarding the Green Bay Packers, please call 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. I've got a backlog there, too. I will be getting to those uh, eventually. Probably. I don't know. Depends if your question was somewhat time-sensitive, in which case I might not get to it, and I apologize. The one other thing I'd like to bring up, I have the links just sitting there in the description, but I never really talk about them. However, the only time I pester for straight-up money is when we hit a milestone. So some of you who've been around for a while remember um, when we got to episode 300, I was saying if I can get a $3 donation for 300 episodes, that would be great. Well, guess what's coming up? You got it, episode 400. Like I said, when you do 365 episodes a year, these things come quick. So really what I'm saying is if, if you'd love, if you would like to find a way to support the show and you're not already doing it, if you're already in Patreon, if you're doing all these things to help out, I'm not asking for anything. I'm just, you know, just saying. If you're looking for a little kind of a way to support the show and all the work that goes in, 400 episodes, I promise you, is a lot of work. I've got a PayPal donation. I've got a Venmo do- donation link in the description. I'm just asking for four bucks, which is which averages out to four cents per episode. Sometimes I feel bad asking for donations, and then I realize I'm asking you to pay me four cents per episode, and the the guilt just flows away. But next time when we hit episode 500, I'm going to want 5 cents per episode. So keep that in the back of your mind as you continue listening beyond 500, beyond 400. But yeah, just just keep it in the back of your mind. It's going to get way more expensive per episode. Anyways, just something to think about if you're interested. I really appreciate everyone that did did it last time. And I love that it's lining up perfectly with the draft. I believe episode 399 will be on draft day, I think. Meaning episode 400 is going to be the day after the draft. So episode 400 is going to be breaking down our first two picks, assuming we have two picks in the first round. That just gets me really excited. Although, it was that exact that was exactly when episode um, 
episode 100 was there as well. Episode 99 last year was after day one, and then I wanted episode 100 to be so epic, it just, I had to have, like, a football player on the show, otherwise it wasn't going to work, and then I just didn't do it. So we won't be doing that again, I promise, because I know they're not coming on my show. Hello, Mr. Mr. Brian Burns. You like to be on my show, please? No, okay, bye. That's how that goes. I mean, I'm going to try. I'm just saying they're just going to say no on it. It's fine. All right, let's take a little break. Then we'll start talking about the schedule. We'll start talking about it. Start talking about it. We'll do all kinds of things with this schedule. Just listen to the thing, all right? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. There is one other tiny thing I want to add really quick. I've mentioned it a thousand times, but some of you are new and don't realize, and I don't want your efforts to go wasted. I shouldn't say wasted. That's, this is my fault. I decided to name my podcast the same as a podcast that's already existing. Not going to over-explain this, but there's two Packernet podcasts. One is the Yellow and Green Shield. One is just a very black thing with a gold shield that says Pack Daddy. If you left a review for the Striped Shield, that's the wrong one. I'm sure Kevin appreciates, appreciates it, although I don't know that he cares all that much. He doesn't get any money from it despite the claims of a bunch of bitter podcasters that aren't on his stream. The fact of the matter is, if you were trying to leave me an iTunes review, I would very much appreciate that review, but only on my podcast. Because I just went and checked the other one, and he's up to like 101 reviews. His reviews just skyrocketed. And there's a lot of them on there that are clearly talking about me. So if you did leave that review and you had like 30 more seconds, because I know it probably took me a month of bribing you to get you to do it, just 30 more, man. Jump them over to the other podcast. I mean, if you go to Google and type in Packernet Podcast, it pops up number one. Although you're probably not using Google, so I don't know what comes up. His probably comes up first. Man, that drives me crazy. I hate being so low on that list. It's driving me nuts. Sorry. We're good. Let's talk about the schedule. So first of all, I do want to look at the strength of schedule for 2019. Just as sort of a... I mean, it's, it's a very basic process. You can try to complicate it and tweak it if you wanted to by saying, well, let's look at some of the changes and then try to guess on whether that's going to be better or worse. But I think the more we're trying to predict things like this, it's easier to just be simplistic. So taking the opponent's win you know, percentage from last season and combining them or averaging them, probably just the best way to go from this, this point in time. And then you can go from there and kind of make little tweaks. Now, typically what the schedule maker is going to want to do is look at teams and give them harder schedules. So, for example, the Bears should have the hardest schedule, then the Vikings, then the Packers, then the Lions. Well, as of right now, the Chicago Bears are fifth in terms of hardest schedule. The Vikings are 12th, the Packers are 14th, and the Lions are 21st. And the only thing I can glean from that, well, let me put it this way. This kind of further accentuates what I said, and, and again, we, we don't know for sure who's actually going to have the toughest schedule, but the intention is to give the worst teams the easier schedule and the, the better teams the harder schedule. And when you look at the fact of what I've said so far about the Lions being the team with the most potential to improve, then the Packers, then the Vikings, then the Bears, and it kind of having this inverse relationship, whereas the top teams seem to be coming down and the bottom teams seem to be coming up, 
The schedule just accentuates that. The fact that the Lions could actually be a competitor prior to anything schedule-related, just based on talent, and now you give them the easiest schedule, that's just going to... I mean, this is going to be a crazy race, man. Again, I could be wrong. There could be a team that just runs away with this thing. You know, the Vikings could just absolutely dominate the division, and the Bears crumble, and the Packers are still garbage, and the Lions can't figure out how to put together a football team because that city is just cursed. But just based on all the information I have, that's just the feeling I get. And now this is just another element to that. The Bears who no longer have Fangio, the Bears who a lot of these defenders who are, you know, the ones that even are still remaining, they lost Amos, they lost their nickel corner, who was actually very good. I mean, they got another one, but I don't think they're going to use him for whatever reason because they went out and paid a guy. Plus, supposedly, they're really looking very hard at corners in the draft, so I, I don't know. They're not happy with their corner situation. And probably part of it is because, as I said, a lot of this was overinflated. A lot of this was Fangio's scheme. So Prince and Mukamura, we can look at them and say, oh, man, Kyle Fuller and Prince and Mukamura are a great pair. Until you realize you're talking about Kyle Fuller and Prince and Mukamura. Like, wait, 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 wait a minute. They're, they're not good. I mean, Kyle Fuller, okay, maybe he's pretty good. That might not be a fluke. But Prince, come on, man. Prince isn't a good corner. I mean, he's not bad. But he's an average corner, and he's 48 years old, for crying out loud. So you have their slow descent. The Vikings, I don't know. I felt like they were going to end up being worse off, but they were able to spend all of their money and continue to push these financial issues into the future, which is really the, kind of the issue. When I said last year that they were going to hit this cap wall, they didn't. They just pushed it out. So then this year they were in cap chaos and everybody else saw it and they're like, oh man, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. Well, they pushed it out again and were able to not only re-sign guys, but extend guys like Thielen. Now that might work to our advantage come next year, depending on how good of a job they do slowly purging talent and as they shift money around, as the cap goes up. I mean, maybe they're just being masterful here. I don't know. But either way, they were able to retain a lot of their talent, not all of their talent. Um, they, they did lose, you know... A important safety. They lost a really good defensive tackle. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I think offensive lineman. I don't know. Don't remember. Forgot already. But I also just don't know about the Vikings. I'm, I'm curious to see how good of a year Thielen has. I, I, as I said, it seems impossible for him to be as good as he is. But again, just tracking Pro Football Focus, Thielen and Devontae Adams have followed the exact same path. The only difference is Thielen was actually a little bit better. So to not give him respect, I, I mean, I understand, right? It's, it's, if Thielen was a second-round pick, it would be easier to give him the same amount of respect. But he wasn't, so it feels flukish. But I, I just I can't say that. And beyond that, I think Diggs actually underperformed. I actually, prior to last year, thought Diggs was one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Liked him a lot. He just didn't have as good of a year. So as, as much as I want to say the wide receivers are probably going to regress, I, they could actually get a little bit better. If Thielen just stays at that level and Diggs has a 2017 kind of year, oh my goodness. And they do have a new offensive coordinator, which maybe isn't going to make things better. It might actually make things worse. I don't actually know. They're converting to an outside zone run scheme. What is that going to mean for their offensive linemen? Is that going to help? Is that going to make it worse? Do they have athletic linemen? I don't know. Are they going to have to draft a whole new offensive line? I know the Packers have an offensive line that's pretty athletic because Ted Thompson was obsessed with that. But either way, as far as who got better and who got worse, the Vikings did not get better in the offseason. They did get worse. Not as bad as I thought they'd get, but they did get worse, and they have the 10th hardest schedule. So again, a little bit of a drop for them. Come to the Packers. Packers have improved immensely and have the 14th toughest schedule, so they're right in the middle. So again, Bears come down a lot. Vikings come down a little, Packers go up a good chunk, and then you got the Lions who go up quite a bit. I don't know if it's technically more than the Packers. I'm just trying to illustrate my point here. And of course, the the draft is going to accentuate this again. So really, the, the, the one thing that I feel the most confident in, whenever I talk about this, the one that's the most dramatic is the Bears. The one that's the most dramatic is the Bears' fall. You talk about the players they lost, fairly dramatic. I know they want to play it off like, oh, so what, it's just a nickel corner. Oh, so what, it's just Amos, and Amos wasn't that good. Okay. But then you look at the loss of Fangio, who built this defense. That's dramatic to me. You look at the most dramatic schedule thing here, fifth hardest schedule, that's pretty dramatic. Then you look at free agency, and they have did basically nothing. They added pieces, but not one. 
But the most dramatic, of course, is the fact that they have nothing in the first round and nothing in the second round. They don't have a single pick until the third round. Everything about this dramatic switch, the most dramatic change that I can visibly see right now is the Bears fall. Doesn't mean it has to happen, but as far as changes for better or worse, it's hard to say the Bears aren't going... I mean, I, I... after the Vikings or after the uh, Packers and Lions draft, we'll see what's the most dramatic. Packers have a really good chance of being as dramatic of an improvement as the Bears have of a fall. Just looking at, you know, adding two big pass rushers, adding a really key safety, and then two first round draft picks and a bunch of other picks after that. I mean, there's a lot of potential here. But, anyways, that's the general strength of schedule. And again, it plays into this being a very competitive NFC North. I'm very excited for it. Nervous, worried about being embarrassed, but optimistic that um, the Packers are going to do some damage. So let's look at the particulars of this schedule. We knew that the Packers were going to open the season week one against Chicago. We also knew it was going to be in Chicago. And so it's kind of tough because the general thought is home games are better and winning the games at the end of the year is the most important so this schedule is going to be tough. And we'll, we'll get to the more macro look at this in a little bit because I don't know that that's true. But especially when you look at week one, the one thing that comes to mind is the volatility through the first four weeks. Everything is just crazy and we don't know anything. So, I mean, the, the funny thing is not only do we not know anything in April, but after the conclusion of week one, in other words, we're in the season, we've watched a game, we've seen all these players play, we saw who was better between the two teams, it still tells us zero things. Because these teams are still just trying to figure stuff out. That can work to our advantage, it can work to our disadvantage. In other words, it makes it sort of a coin flip. So if you are, let's just say it's like Jets-Patriots. I would love Jets-Patriots in week one. Reason being, it's the one opportunity the Jets have to actually win. So getting some of these tough road games out of the way early is not the worst thing in the world. Just because sometimes the, like the, this, this is a key game for the Bears. Beating the Packers at home is a key game. You don't want this game in week one because, again, week one is just garbage. Your team isn't ready. Your, your guys just don't know what they're doing. It's sloppy football. Last year when the Bears had their home game toward the end of the season, it was, just, it was locked up. Everybody knew the Bears were going to win that game. The Bears knew it, the Packers knew it, the Bears fans, the Packers fans, all the national media, everybody knew the Bears were going to win that game because we saw what the Bears had become, we saw what the Packers had become. Everybody had formed their identity, everybody understood what was going to go on, and the fact of the matter is, had this been switched, and had the Packers road game been later in the season, we may have lost at home to the Bears. We won at home to the Bears, primarily because it was just kind of up in the air. The other way to look at this is... Both teams are at full strength. So the really great thing about this is that everybody should be available. There are injuries in the preseason, but this defensive front that I've been talking about, and as potent as it can be, should be, will be, plus whoever it is we end up drafting, I think the Bears are going to be in for a surprise. I think the Bears fans are going to be in for a bit of a surprise. Because again, most people look at the Packers and say these guys can't do anything on defense. They don't have a pass rush. Well, there's two big reasons for that. One is a false assumption that the Packers defense is just always bad and they don't realize that last year the Packers front was actually pretty solid and the ability for Pettin to get pressure was actually really really high and only fell off after all the injuries started piling up. When you lose Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark your ability to pressure or do anything goes to zero on defense. Week one with Kenny Clark, with Mike Daniels, with Zadarius Smith, with Preston Smith, all that changes. So not only do we get better, but the perception of the Packers' pass rush is so low, it's going to look a lot better than everybody would have imagined. And everyone's going to be talking about how incredible, like, where did that come from? Because nobody's just, just nobody's paying attention. So, I mean, it's going to be a great game, and I don't necessarily hate that it's on the road. The only thing that worries me is you want to start fast this year in particular because there's a honeymoon phase. So this can go really good, and it can go really bad. And, and, and Lafleur's ability to control his team and get them hyped up and, and get them in control is going to be important because things can devolve quickly, depending on the mentality of the players. So his ability to keep guys, you know, raring to go, even after a loss, to shake it off and move on to next week, actually, and still believe, because there's going to be a lot of belief, right? The, pa- players are a lot like Packers fans in that there's a lot of 
uh, belief and a lot of hype. We're going to be the best. We really believe in each other. We believe in this and that and the other thing. And then you get punched in the mouth and realize that you're not that good. And you, you know, you, the things you thought you knew and everything falls apart and everything goes to chaos. It's like, how do you maintain this belief that we're still the best? It's hard to do. The flip side of that is a win in Chicago is huge for this team. And again, the best way to beat Chicago in Chicago is to take them in week one where it's just kind of all up in the air. That is, of course, with the assumption that they're even slightly evenly matched. If if I'm tr- correct in my assessment that the Bears are going to fall off and the Packers are going to get better, and it's to a larger degree than even I think, and the Bears are complete trash and the Packers are great, then this is probably not the best scenario. Because then it's the Bears who actually have an opportunity to beat the Packers in Week 1. But it, as we move on, though, the fact that we have so many front-loaded home games seems really bad a lot of people are freaking out because then you have a really tough road stretch and that is not generally a good thing the one good thing though as I said is to get this team to buy in if they can and these are tough games if they can beat the Bears at home beat the Vikings I mean you know beat the Bears in their home beat the Vikings at our home beat the Broncos beat the Eagles and these are all home games if we're able to go you know four and oh three and one right out of the gate, that's going to instill a lot of confidence, and that's the kind of stuff that can carry on into the future. Because remember, last year's whole thing was we cannot win on the road. That's going to be the other big thing for a lot of these guys, for Aaron Rodgers, for a lot of these rookies that were there last year, for everybody that was there last year. There was this curse on the road. We could not win a single game on the road. Starting week one, beating the Bears in Chicago is going to have such a massive effect. Not only did we just best the Bears, which is always a good thing, we won on the road. It, it's just, it's just going to have this sort of undertone, this feeling that the curse is broken. This really is different. Things really are changing. And then again, you carry on that victory. You carry on that into a bunch of home games that you end up winning, and it's just going to amplify this feeling that we're a really good football team again. We are not a team to be messed with. It's going to build the confidence of the young guys. It's going to build the confidence of the rookies, the, the, the corners. Probably most importantly, it's going to build the confidence of Aaron Rodgers because even though he's been around and he understands, like, you know, things happen and we're still a good football team and this and that and the other thing, he's still a human being. He understands somewhere deep down, like the rest of us do, that maybe things just aren't good. Maybe we're just not a good football team. So him being able to get confidence back in himself, in his receivers, in his offensive line, and, of course, in his coach, that's going to be huge. So really, as much as I don't want to overplay a week one game, it really does have fairly major implications, or at least it can, depending on the volatility volatility and the emotionalness of our team, which is kind of a weird thing because emotion is a very, very, very good thing when it's working in your favor. It's a very, very bad thing when it's not. So if we lose, I'm hoping this is a very stoic team with zero emotions. If we win, I want them to be as emotional as possible. Just ride that high. Um, Again, moving into week two, the extra added benefit is that the Chicago Bears game is on Thursday, meaning we get extended time to prepare for the Vikings. So as I've said several times, I want the Packers to attack the Bears as though it's the Super Bowl. Matt Nagy last year in his first year up against the Packers in week one brought out every single trick he had in his bag week one. I think it was for the same exact reason. I said that at the time. He needs to instill confidence in himself, in his team. Now they lost and they still went on to have a great year. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean the season's over if we lose, but he understands as I think LaFleur and the rest of this team is going to understand the important impact that beating your most important division rival, week one, on their own home turf is. So throwing everything you have at this as a win and then having extended time to beat the other division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, um, that, I mean, that's, that's beyond huge. And again, as much as you want to say that it doesn't matter, we know what happens at the end of the season. There's always a tight race looking at everyone else's schedule, in particular NFC North rivals. I, I, I mean, that was every single day for a while where it was just analyzing every angle of, well, if they win these games and these lo- win these games, but he loses this game, then it kind of does this. And it do- and you start looking back at those games that you said didn't matter and realizing, man, did that game matter. If we had just won that stinking game, right? Because the, the fact of the matter is the, the, the early games are as important as the late games. 
We don't feel the importance because we don't know the importance until the end, which makes it feel more important. But these games do matter. Division games do matter. And I guess what I'm saying is we have a really good opportunity. We, we could easily go 0-2 to start the season, but we have a great opportunity to come out of the gate. The other dynamic here is the bonus that a team gets not being able to scout the Packers. The Packers have a brand new scheme on offense. So you have a coach, a defensive coordinator who's never worked with this defense, a defense who's trying to learn a new scheme and go up against an unscouted offense. I mean, technically it's the exact same in reverse. The Packers who are learning under the new scheme are going up against an unscouted defense. But in an offensive league, I think it works in our favor because the defense is naturally defensive. Your job is to stop the other guys, not the other way around. So the, the Packers are in the driver's seat. The Bears' ability to stop this offense is going to be contingent on a lot of things, one of which is not making mistakes, which is difficult to do with a brand-new defensive coordinator. And again, a lot of that defense was predicated, a lot of their success was predicated on the scheme. The scheme worked, and everybody did their job, therefore everything was great. Well, the scheme is different now. So throw everything you've got at the Bears, work really hard with the extra days and extra time you have to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Then we pile into week three against the Denver Broncos, and this also is at home, which is going to be nice because it's a Sunday noon game, so everything's fine as far as, you know, just a normal week, plenty of rest, you're not traveling, and the Broncos are coming off a game against the Bears. I don't know what's going to happen. That's going to be a fun game to watch with the whole Fangio connection, and obviously we're going to be rooting for the Broncos, but it's going to be a slugfest. So they have to travel to L.A. to play the Raiders. They'll probably win that game. Then they have to fly back get into an absolute slugfest with Chicago, and then fly out to Green Bay. In terms of their ability to win, remember, this is now the Joe Flacco Denver Broncos. Now, the tough part about this is that this is the Denver Broncos, which now has a very, very, very good defensive uh, head coach. Um, I I do believe that they're going to be adding talent. So they've already got Von Miller, who's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So we're going up against Khalil Mack. Then we have to go up against uh, the, the, the Vikings pass rush. Then we have to go up against Von Miller and Chubb. And I do expect Chubb, uh, Nick Bradley Chubb, excuse me, to take a big step. That's going to be real tough. So this defense is no joke. So winning at home against the Denver Broncos is entirely about our offense. So again, as I went through some of the other teams, it's a matter of how can we help ourselves in the draft. A heavy offensive draft is what's going to beat the Denver Broncos. I'm not very worried about their offense. I mean, Flacco, he's not a very good quarterback. We all acknowledge that. But he's somewhat capable. They don't have very good tight ends. They do have Emmanuel Sanders, which is nice. We'll put Alexander on them. They don't have a whole lot of talent outside of that. They do have Sutton, who they drafted, who maybe could take a step. Um, Otherwise, there's just not much. Of course, there's a draft. Their offensive line doesn't get me all that excited, so our ability to pressure Flacco and get him off his spot and kind of make him dance around a little bit and try to figure out how to make this all work, I don't have a lot of faith in that, especially since they hired a defensive head coach. His ability to take a guy like Flacco, put him on a brand new score. So it's just, this does not look like an offense that's going to go. And I know Vic Fangio isn't going to be the one calling the plays, but still, you don't hire a defensive head coach and expect the offense to improve, especially when you plop Flacco in the middle of it. So it's going to be tough, man. You know, Chris Harris is one of the best corners in the NFL, and and he's going to be going up probably against Devontae. Kareem Jackson, eh, I don't really know. Bryce Callahan from the Bears came over. Deontay Thomas at safety is very, very good. And and if anything, Vic Fangio is known for his work with linebackers. Now, yes, that is outside linebackers, so Miller and Chubb are just going to be horrifying. But also inside guys, and I tend to think there's a good possibility they end up drafting one of the top linebackers in this draft class. You know, if Devin White falls, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the pick. That's another nightmare. So it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough on offense. Hopefully this defense can absolutely destroy the Bears. Because, I mean, let's face it, Vic Fangio knows that offense really, really well, and he knows exactly what to do. To, I, I I really think the Broncos have a good chance of beating the Bears, which is awesome. Also, because if the Packers beat the Bears, that means the Bears are going to start 0-2 against teams that they are expected to beat by the bye. But, uh, yeah, the, the most important, I mean, it's hard to say the most important thing. We need to have Bakhtiari and Balaga on point, especially Balaga, because Von Miller is probably going to be lining up on that side. That's going to be really, really, really tough you know, uh, upgrading the offensive line so that the interior is going to help, but probably most importantly, getting offensive, uh, excuse me, wide receiver and tight end talent, because we just, we got to get the ball out. It's going to be very difficult to run the ball against this team. Throwing the ball, 
might be difficult depending on our ability to stack up against these corners, but the safeties and the linebackers, not nearly as good. So got to attack them on offense. Being able to beat this defense is going to be tough, but, you know, I think at home tips it in our favor. Right? It seems like it should be a, a in the win column, but I don't know that I can definitively say that. I think the teams that typically, even when the Packers are very good, do the best against the Packers, it's really good defenses that know how to frustrate and shut down Aaron Rodgers. This team, I think, has that ability. After that, we get the Eagles. We're still at home. Another really tough game. So, I mean, it's not going to be an easy road. I mean, there's none of these are unwinnable, but every single one of these, if if the Packers are not significantly improved from what we were last year, this is going to be a tough stretch. It's going to be hard to win even two games, much less one game, if we aren't significantly better than last year. For example, Alshon Jeffrey and um, Deshaun Jackson with Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz. Oh, and Jordan Howard. Oh, and Dallas Goddard. Oh, and Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah, and Jason Peters and Lane Johnson. I mean, it's just, it's a scary offense. I know the Eagles aren't like the the talk of the town anymore. It's a scary offense. So this is the exact opposite. This is going to be a game where we really need to be on our P's and Q's as far as this our defense. Now, I'm assuming Jair is going to be on the the old crafty veteran because he's a speed guy. And uh, Deshaun is not, you know, the tallest guy. It's, it's all about speed. So I think Jair is going to be over there. The question is, who's going to be on Alshon Jeffrey? And are they going to be up to it? I'm hoping Kevin King is going to be the guy and he's going to be up to it. And he's going to be able to handle, you know, the, the long kind of responsibility. Unfortunately, that puts Jackson back on the inside where I don't want him to be. But it just is what it is. That is, of course, assuming we don't draft more corner help. But also, one of the biggest things here is going to be linebackers. Linebackers or safeties, you could say Amos, but... Again, it's not just Zach Ertz we have to worry about. They also have Dallas Goddard, who was considered basically the Zach Ertz of last year's draft class. They've got two of them. They've got a very capable quarterback. Getting pressure on that quarterback is going to be huge. Stifling the run, which they don't have great running backs, is going to be big. But it's going to be a trenches battle here. I mean, they have capable receivers, but they're not elite receivers. I really think the trenches is going to be important. Getting pressure on Wentz, getting sacks on Wentz, hitting Wentz, scaring the living daylights out of Wentz. Being able to dial up pressures from anywhere and everywhere is going to be pivotal in this game. On the flip side, I think we've got a little bit more potential. Now, their defensive front, this is a team that's all about the trenches. They've got a great offensive line, and they still have a lot of really good talent along the uh, defensive line as well, even though they've lost quite a bit. The good thing, though, they do not have good corners, they don't have super great safeties, and they do not have very good linebackers. I think being able to run the ball, especially with outside zone, because a lot of their defensive talent is going to be inside. They've really just got two guys. And, you know, they're, they're a 4-3 team, so they got a lot of those outside-inside guys. But if they want to put them outside, fine. We'll just bang it up the middle. But being able to attack these corners, attack the safeties, attack the linebackers, and, and run the ball with relative success, I think we can. Defense is going to be tough, though. Now, that is a Thursday night game, meaning we get extended time, but so do the Eagles. So a little bit more time to prep for the Eagles, um, and it's at home, which is obviously to our benefit. After that, we got to travel to Dallas, and yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a short week because we have a Thursday night beforehand. Now, all the focus for the Dallas Cowboys is on their offense, right? Their quarterback, their running back, etc. The real strength of this team, though, has become the defense. Very, 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 very good linebackers. A very, very, very good pass rusher in Lawrence. Uh, Byron Jones has become a relatively good corner. I, I I think it would behoove them to continue to build on this defense, although maybe they're comfortable with it. But they don't have the greatest corners in the world. Uh, Wuzier is relatively young. Maybe he can kind of have a bounce back year. I don't know. Don't have the greatest safeties in the world. But this is a tough team to to kind of go up against, especially again inside the inside the box. Being able to run against this team with Smith and Van Der Esch is going to be really really tough. Lawrence is going to be a nightmare to try to handle. The good thing is I feel like this is a team where you can scheme things, and if you rely a little bit more on scheme, you can kind of win this. Something Mike McCarthy didn't want to do. He wanted his guys to just run down the field and, and beat their guy. Well, we got to get the ball out kind of quick. We, we've got to be able to do lots of things, and basically all we're talking about with scheme is let's look at what the defense does and what we think we can do to manipulate the defense and take advantage of that. McCarthy wasn't as willing to do that as Lafleur is. And when you have a team that has a lot of strengths but also a lot of weaknesses, you can kind of manipulate that with scheme. Adaptability is also going to be important. Let's try this. If that's not working, okay, let's switch it up and do this. Plan B, here we go. 
So again, running the ball is going to be tough with these linebackers. So getting some offensive line help would be beneficial, especially if we can get, you know, Chris Lindstrom type player. Real good in space, real good at getting up to that next level. We do have tight ends as much as maybe they don't scare everybody. The ability to have tight ends to manipulate the linebackers, even if it means just misdirecting their attention, is going to be beneficial. But I think the the real potential here is just going to be our wide receivers winning, especially Devontae. Devontae's just better than these guys. But again, as I've said several times, if they double Devontae all day, what's our answer? Right, We're going to have a hard time running with this defensive front and these linebackers. Adams is going to have a hard time beating double coverage. So now what? Again, if that's the formula for beating the Packers, just about every team can do that. Load up the box, double Devontae, now what are you going to do? That's the reason I worry about wide receiver. I think Geronimo can be good in those kinds of situations because he's just kind of a clutch receiver in clutch situations. I don't think he's great, but if you need him to come up for a clutch catch, you know, a real good low and away, third down, whatever. But a lot of this is going to be contingent on LaFleur just utilizing the talents as they are. Valdez Scantling is a lot of speed. Manipulate that. Use that. So again, a tough game, especially on the road, especially on a short week. The benefit of a short week, though, is that you get a long week next week. Who do we play the next week? The Detroit Lions. Another divisional foe. So as far as the in-division games, this is all working out to our advantage. We get the Bears at Chicago week one, which is the best time to have the Bears in Chicago. Then we have an extended week for the Vikings. Then in week six, we get an extended week to play the Lions, which is going to be another tough uh, trenches battle, at least as far as our offensive line and their defensive line. Outside of that, though, again, very much able to manipulate this team. Even, Even if they add a linebacker or whatever else, their linebackers are garbage. Their corners are beatable. I know Slay is a respected corner, but I think he's, you know, it's like Vikings fans kind of hype up some of their own guys too much. Lions fans think too highly of Slay, and I think it's partially because Slay makes it very well known how many guys that he shuts down, whereas other corners are a little bit more quiet about it. But Devontae Adams has, does, and will beat Slay. They don't have the corners to take on any of our other guys. They don't have the linebackers to be able to take care of anything. They don't have super great safeties. Again, that's Tracy Walker guy. we got to see how much of a fluke that was. He had a really good year. But we'll see. This is another game in which running the ball is going to be tough. And also, we got to keep in mind, if we get to this point and running the ball isn't as successful as we had all hoped it would be, it doesn't necessarily mean we can't run the ball. All right? the, the national media, which doesn't do what I do every single day, is just going to look at the stats and say, well, this whole LaFleur outside zone scheme doesn't seem to be working too well. Aaron Jones, look at his drop in production. Seems to me he doesn't fit the scheme quite as well. Yeah, or maybe we're just going up against stacked fronts. You run against Khalil Mack and Von Miller and Snacks Harrison, who is the best run defensive defensive tackle, best run defense player in the NFL. Go ahead. But again, a really good opportunity to go 3-0 and in the division, regardless of everything else. Then week seven, hopefully we're getting a layup. We are at home again, and it's against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders have a ton of draft picks, so trying to predict what they're going to be is going to be impossible. I'm not even 100% sure who their quarterback is going to be. Probably Carr, but I'm not positive. We'll say like 94%, which is, you know, whatever. But the big thing about this is the the Raiders are going to be adding a lot of talent, and they've already added a decent amount to the offense, and they might not be done yet. So obviously they got Trent Brown, who they massively overpaid, but whatever. They got a left tackle now. They've got Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. They added Tyrell Williams, who, again, not very good, but they added somebody. I feel like this is going to be, at least the vision is for a powerhouse offense. I think there's a good chance they're going to be adding a running back. They've got decent offensive linemen. You know, Rodney Hudson in the middle at center. Um, Gabe Jackson, who was on IR last year. They have a abysmal right tackle when they went out and got Colton Miller. They reached for him in the first round. So that's something we're going to be able to exploit. But this is sort of the opposite, at least looking at their offense. But everything else is kind of like trenches. I'm looking at this going, we got a really good chance to assault Derek Carr. The question is, can our corners and safeties hold up against guys like Antonio Brown? And whoever else they end up adding. They, you know, Maybe they get Josh Jacobs at running back. Then they add a wide receiver. I, I don't know. That's just the vibe I'm getting that they're going for. They want to really have a high-flying circus act of an offense. And as much as it seems clownish, those are the kinds of teams that can actually do a lot of damage if for some reason you can't seem to respond. Now, other benefit, their defense is kind of garbage. As far as how many players on this defense I think are very good, I'm going to count uh, zero. 
They added LaMarcus Joyner, who did have a good year at one point in time, but not last year. It was, you know, graded out as good. Uh, they love Maurice Hurst. Raiders fans love Maurice Hurst on the inside. He's decent, had a lot of potential. I mean, compared to a lot of the guys we've gone up against, though, he's not that good. Terrible linebackers. Arden Key is a terrible pass rusher. Their corners are pure trash. This should be a slaughter. I don't care what they do in the draft. We, we, we can counter it with whatever we're doing in the draft. This should be an annihilation. Aaron Jones should run for 150 yards. Aaron Rodgers should have a minimum of four touchdowns in this game. This should absolutely be just a giant kick fest. Just keep kicking them. Kick them until they're down, which should be about midway through the first quarter, and then kick them all the way through the game. How's that for a strategy? We're going to kick them. After week seven, now things start to ramp up a little bit. We have to go to Kansas City, primetime game, Sunday night, playing the KC Chiefs. Now, here's the thing. We can't assume anything. I don't think this is going to be as difficult as everybody thinks, and there's a couple reasons. Number one, Pat Mahomes was great last year. How many quarterbacks off the top of your head can you count that had great rookie years that weren't quite as great the next year? How does Deshaun Watson sit? He was. Remember, he was going to be the, the next big thing. He was the one we were all waiting for this year that was going to be a stud. Now, I'll acknowledge Pat Mahomes was otherworldly, and it does feel like the kind of guy that's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers for a very long time. It felt that way with the no-look passes and all that stuff. But he also made a lot of mistakes. He threw a lot of interception. He's probably closer to Brett Favre at the end of his career than he was Aaron Rodgers. Teams have had a lot of time to learn this Chiefs offense. Beyond that, let's not forget that their defense is kind of garbage. They don't have good corners. They don't have good safeties, and yes, I'm talking about Tyron Matthew as well. He's very much overrated. I know he's versatile. I know he's got a lot of talents. He's not a top 10. He's not a top 15 safety, I don't believe. They have maybe the worst linebacker group in the NFL. The only guy on this entire defense that's really good is Chris Jones, and Chris Jones is very, very, very good, but so what? Breland Speaks and Alex Okafor? Come on. I mean, you're purging like 0-16 Browns players. To, to help upgrade your defense. And it did upgrade your defense. How much does that suck? The, 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 the key here, and this is in Kansas City, which makes it tough, but the key here is this is going to be an offensive slugfest. The two main components, is the Packers' offense good enough to slow the Chiefs, or the Packers' defense good enough to slow the Chiefs' offense? Is the Packers' offense good enough to actually be the team that can rack up a lot of points? Are we that team again or not? If we're not, we lose, because the Chiefs will put up points. The Packers need to be able to respond. They need to be able to do these long, sustained drives down the field to get a lot of points. And then again, it's it's similar to what the Packers were, what, two, three years ago, when it was just a matter of, you know, we're going to score a lot of points. Can we get other teams, or can the defense keep the other team from scoring as many? We'll get 30. Can you keep the other team under 30? So they've got Tyreek Hill. That's true. We have Jair. Can Jair hold up against him? And I'm not talking about win 24-7, but can you follow him outside to inside? If they go in the slot, move Alexander in there. Can you, can you hang with him? Enough. Again, we're just talking about get him off the field that one time so that we can go down and get points. Because if the whole game is basically points, 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 and we're just volleying back and forth, not points is the actual points in those games. You know what I'm saying? If we assume every drive is a score... Every drive that we stop the team from scoring or even force a field goal is a win. They have Sammy Watkins, but I don't have a ton of respect for him. I, mean, I, I don't want it to sound that... That sounded worse than I meant it. He's, he's not as good as his full potential was, and I'm not super scared of him. And I do think a guy like Jackson or a guy like King can probably hang with him, assuming they're on the field. I think winning up front is going to be really important. They do have a pretty good offensive line, but I think we have some potential, especially along the inside, to be able to bring that interior pressure. That could be very beneficial. The other real important thing here is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in the NFL right now. We're probably at this point just going to put Amos on him, which I think I'm fine with, but adding some more help. So, for example, if we're going to be putting Amos on guys like Travis Kelsey, we need another safety that's going to be able to handle the responsibilities up top. Otherwise, we're going to need linebacker help. So that's going to be pretty important. But I, I really don't hate our odds of actually beating the Chiefs. It's just a matter of what are the Packers. Because, again, if my assumption is correct that the Packers have the offense that is capable of playing that volleying back-and-forth game, 
the Packers defense is more equipped to stop the Chiefs offense than the Chiefs defenses of stopping the Packers offense. That makes sense? So I think I'm less optimistic about the other games that some other people might be that we assume are going to be wins with the exception of the Raiders, which I believe is going to be a win. And if we don't win that game, I'm really worried about our chances of getting into the playoffs. I'm just going to call it we won't. However, I'm probably a little more optimistic about this Chiefs game just looking at the the defense regressing even more. They had a really bad defense and then they got rid of everybody. Unless they have a Cowboys moment, you know, when they had a terrible defense, got rid of their best player and then got better somehow. I just don't see this situation improving. After the Chiefs were on the road again against the Chargers, another pretty tough matchup. The Chargers, though, have really, really fallen off, and I'm not sure how this happened. They were one of my favorite teams when I looked at their roster. Not so much anymore. Now, they've got really... So here's the thing. The weapons on the outside are scary. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, very scary. Gordon, as a running back, very scary. Rivers, I think, is a underrated quarterback. I think he's very good. They do have Russell Okong at left tackle. Outside of that, though, well, Hunter Henry is pretty talented as well. Again, the weapons, very good. However, Feeney, another one of those interior offensive linemen that didn't pan out. Pouncey, Schofield, and Tevy, not good. Now, I know Pouncey is a name that sounds like he's really good. He hasn't been good in a long time. By the way, they also have Forrest Lamp, who was supposed to be even better than Feeney was the year that he got drafted. Forrest Lamp was the freak interior offensive lineman that year. He can't even get on the field, partially because he was hurt in his rookie year, but he didn't make it on last year either. Again, just terrified of interior offensive linemen early early on. But winning on the outside is going to be tough, and, and the, the best way to win against these teams is going to be able to get pressure against these garbage offensive linemen. Get after Rivers and just let the corners, or the corners just need to give enough time for these guys to get home. And they're going to get home on occasion, right? They're going to get their yards, they're going to be able to run, they're going to be able to throw the ball, but we're going to have a really good opportunity to really get to Rivers a lot in this game. On the flip side, somewhat similar. I guess I don't know if I... So... I guess they're kind of decent at all levels. I don't care for their linebackers all that much. But Derwin, obviously, very, very good. And he does play at linebacker, nickel linebacker on occasion. Now, unfortunately for us, because they have Bosa and Ingram, which is a very good pass rushing duo, neither of them were met their full potential last year. But two years ago, this was easily the best pass rushing duo in the NFL. Very, very talented guys. Now, the interior of their defense is completely eroded, which is a good thing. But I think one of the best things we can do is establish the run in this game because I want Derwin James to be focused somewhere else. If he's not scared of being able to move up, he doesn't have to come up and protect against our tight ends, at least depending on what happens in the draft, because we don't have any tight ends they're scared of. He's not going to come up and and play in the slot because they have a very good slot corner. So we're not going to get him to come up and do that. So if he's able to just roam around in the backfield with the free safety because he's the strong safety, that's not a good thing. If he's not coming up, that means we can't run the ball. They've got good pass rushers. They've got good corners. And now we, we can't get James off his spot, which means he's just along the backside of the field. So it, it, we can't do anything against this defense right now. So establish the run, win on the outside. Devontae Adams has a really good chance of, of winning on the outside. He's going up against Casey Hayward, who's very good, but I think that's a winnable matchup. But we've got to get some weapons somewhere. We have to be able to establish the run. And again, as is the case with probably every single one of these games, we got to have somebody else. Somebody else has to win. It can't just be Devontae. I don't care if it's a tight end, a wide receiver, whatever. Somebody has to be able to scare this team. As far as a win or loss, it's a tough one. It's, it's on the road. It's back-to-back road games against another you know slugfest, which was uh, a Sunday night game. It's going to be tough. So i got to do double time to get through these now because I'm we got a long way to go, and I'm not doing two episodes because that's silly. But then we come back home against Carolina. I have never really liked the Carolina offense. Um, I, I think Newton, Cam Newton, is very much overrated. I'm very worried about him as a runner because he's extremely talented at it. He has some ability as a passer, but I think he's he's a he's a mediocre quarterback. The wide receivers I can't stand. I've never liked their wide receivers. I never have. I never will. Greg Olson isn't what he was. They did go out and get Matt Paradis, Paradise, whatever. Very very good center. They have Taylor Moten on the left side. Very very good. Their offensive line, though, overall not very good. Their tight end's not very good. Their wide receiver's not very good. Their quarterback, not very good. Now, getting to Newton is going to be tough. One of the reasons he is talented in a lot of areas isn't just his ability to run to get yards, which is horrifying because he's so good at it, but being able to move out of the pocket and make stuff happen, you know, containing him, I guess, is also part of the problem. 
But then there's also Christian McCaffrey, very good receiving back, very elusive, one of the most elusive guys I've ever seen running the football. But this is a winnable game. Their defense isn't quite as good as it used to be. Um, they don't have their pass rushers anymore. Luke Keekley's still there. He's still elite. Outside of Keekley though, and, and Kawan Short, and maybe Kyle Love, but I doubt it, um, they don't have much. Don't have good corners, don't have good safeties, don't have good linebackers outside of Keekley, don't have good defensive front outside of Kawan Short. Even if they had a pass rusher, so what? Add one, put him up against Bakhtiari, he gets erased. You can't do anything. At this point in time, I feel confident we will beat the Carolina Panthers, especially being at home. Then we get a bye week. So, so far looking at this, it's not horrible. The beginning, which is the home stretch, is actually when I'm kind of nervous. Then we beat the Raiders. Then we have an opportunity to beat the Chiefs on the road. The Chargers, I think, are going to be really tough. But again, an opportunity. Then we get to come home. It's going to be kind of a long stretch because it's been a long season. Injuries are probably going to be stacked up, but we're at home. We got an opportunity for one last gasp to win the game in front of the fans at home. You know, it's it's going to be November 10th. It's going to be cold weather. Just give me one more solid effort. Beat the Carolina Panthers, and I think we will. Then we get our bye week. Then we go at San Francisco, which is going to be a fun game because of the whole you know head coach battle. But I'll say this, I think the 49ers are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. For a team that has done nothing and has been garbage for a very long time, everybody's acting. And I've heard people on podcasts say this is maybe going to be the team that wins the NFC West, and I think that's silly, especially with the Rams being there. I think the Seahawks are better. I know the Rams are better. Cardinals aren't going to be better, but whatever. I mean, look look, look at this team. Jimmy Garoppolo got paid like a stud. That doesn't make him... He had one good year. I mean, that's not even true. He has not had one good year. He's had... Good stretches of games between injuries, right? He, he filled in for uh, Brady and did well. Oh, congratulations. Then he came to uh, the 49ers and he won their last stretch of games after they were garbage. And that's really, really impressive and good for him. But then he came back next year and he didn't look too good. And then he got hurt. And now he's going behind a pretty not good offensive line. Granted, McGlinchey was a good pickup at right tackle. Uh, Staley is still a very good left tackle. The in- interior, though, not super great. He does not have wide receiver weapons. He has no wide receivers here. He's got McKinnon, who's decent, but, you know, he's not elite, and he's going behind a terrible offensive line, and the Packers' defensive front is going to be very good and probably better by the end of this draft. Our corners are going to be able to take away these wide receivers with zero effort whatsoever. The only real threat they have on this entire offense is Kittle. So coming out of a bye week, how worried am I? Not very. And we talk about this defense. I mean, listen, the fact that Bosa seems like a slam dunk, as I've said, is silly. I mean, it's only a slam dunk because he's going to be probably or possibly the best player available, and they don't want to go more interior defensive guys because even their exterior guys, which should be playing on the outside, are so trash at rushing in the passer, and they're so massive, they're just going to get pushed inside. So that's the only reason they need outside help. But okay, let's say they get Bosa, so then it's Bosa and Ford. Well, Ford is going from a 3-4 team to a 4-3 team, which is not going to help his skill set. Maybe it will. I, I don't think it will. And beyond that, again, as I said when we were looking at Ford, he had that one good year. He could completely fall off. So Buckner's very good. Ford, let's say, is good, and, and Bosa's good. So that's the one thing they have going for him. Guess what? They don't have any corners, including Sherman, who's clearly on the downswing. They don't have any linebackers, even though they paid a billion dollars for Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander is one of the worst linebackers in the NFL. And they don't have any safeties. So are we going to beat the 49ers? I think we are. I mean, this could be a massively improved team. Maybe there was some kind of fluke going on. A lot of people were injured. We didn't have a quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Terrible team. So we're going back on the road. Again, this is the tough part of the schedule, but this is the part of the schedule where I'm starting to, you know, beat the Panthers. We're going to come out of a long bye week. We're going to have a ton of prep time to play the 49ers. It's a technically kind of a familiar opponent because we're going to have some understanding of what the 49ers are doing on offense. And I think we win that game. Then week 13 is at the Giants. So again, we're on the road, but it's the Giants. Now, this could go a lot of ways. There is a part of me that's a little bit scared of the Giants. I think if they had Odell Beckham still, I'd be a lot more scared. But they do have an improved offensive line. All right, two years ago, they got Nate Solder. They drafted Hernandez. This year, they went out and got Zeitler, which I think was a really good move. They still have Evan Ingram. They have Golden Tate. They have Saquon Barkley, who's a freak. So I, I, I really think, here's the thing, though. I'm not scared of their quarterback, regardless of who it is. If they replace Manning, I'm happy about that because I don't think there's anybody in this draft class that I'm going to say I'm going to be really scared to play. There's just nobody, including Kyler Murray, who they're not going to get. So if Eli Manning is here, and here's the thing, even if they draft somebody, there's a good chance Eli Manning is still the quarterback at this particular point in time. And I'm not scared of Eli Manning. So their ability to run the ball against us is going to be scary. Their ability to 
get us to play heavy in the box to protect against the run and then beat us over the top with guys like Evan Ingram and uh, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and whoever else they might be drafting, this offense could actually be somewhat potent, and it's going to be really embarrassing when Eli Manning at home is picking this defense apart, which he can do. I know he's the whipping boy for the NFL, and for good reason, but he's a veteran quarterback who's still able to get to wide-open receivers when they're sitting there. The real good thing, though, their defense has completely fallen off. They lost their safety. They've been purging their defense since forever. They don't have good pass rushers. They don't have good linebackers. They don't have good corners. So again, if I'm betting it today, hardest part of the schedule is the time when we start really kicking in gear. So that's why if we're able to win the supposedly easy games where we're at home, which I think are going to be the the really tough stretch, beating the Bears, beating the Vikings, you know, beating the Broncos, I think is going to be tough especially, again, as we're just starting to learn these things. If we can hold our own, I I really think the tough part of the schedule is going to be our time when things start to gel and start to come together, and we've got an opportunity to start stacking some wins here. After the Giants, we play the Redskins, and we're at home. This should absolutely be another win. Just looking at their quarterback situation, which, again, Case Keenum, some ability there, but am I super scared of them? No, especially when they don't have any wide receivers. Yes, maybe they draft one in the first round. Okay, who? Considering we're going up against Thielen and Diggs and a lot of these other really talented wide receivers, you're telling me I'm scared of the Redskins because they drafted A.J. Brown? I'm sorry, no. Reed is probably going to be hurt at this point in the time. Vernon Davis is 700 years old. Dotson and Richardson are just not good. We've been over this game before. Their one good pass rusher is on our team now. That's not true. They have Anderson, who's very... They actually do have a pretty good defensive line. Kerrigan, Anderson, Allen, and Payne, those, those Alabama guys. And they did add Collins, but they overpaid for a guy that isn't actually as good as, as people make him out to be. And when you, f- you know, fit him in, I don't know, maybe I'm downplaying this a little bit too much. Their, their defense, you know, Josh Norman, he had one good year and he kind of fell off. Can he be good again? Maybe. Reuben Foster, is he even going to be playing? I don't know. I feel like he should be suspended forever, or I thought he was. I don't know what his status is. But if he's playing, then he's really good. That's Reuben, not Mason. Collins is a capable safety. This defensive front with big Alabama boys is relatively talented. That's the best I can do with propping them up. But again, at home, very winnable. We can take these these linebackers apart. Their free safety outside of Collins is garbage. Their corners are not good. Devontae Adams is going to destroy Josh Norman. I feel comfortable saying that. And again, all this is predicated on the fact that the Packers' offense is working. I'm not talking about elite. I'm not talking about 2011. I'm just talking about working. Aaron Rodgers is able to distribute the ball like he was in the past. I don't even care about the scheme or LaFleur or any of that. If Aaron Rodgers is back to being Aaron Rodgers, one dominant wide receiver and a bunch of capable wide receivers will be good enough to be able to move on teams like the Washington Redskins who don't have a great ability to stop it. And again, looking at their offense, what are they going to be able to do? They get their stud running back back. They've got a couple good offensive line pieces. This is another really big trenches kind of team. But they don't have a lot of weapons on the outside. And if this is going to be them trying to run the ball against us while we try to throw the ball against them, that's not a game they're going to win. Then we got the Bears again. This is, again, optimal because we're riding a high. The Bears, I don't know what they've been doing, but they've got a tough schedule. Maybe they've learned they're not as good as they were. And now it's it's our time to play the Bears, but we get our home game. So again, as we're starting to solidify and the Bears are starting to solidify, we get the home field advantage as opposed to week one. This is when you want home field advantage, when things really start to heat up, when the schedule's starting to come together, when when it's getting to be the point where we got to win to get in or whatever. You want this game to be a home game. We might not like it in week one, but come f- week 15, we're going to be thanking the schedule maker. Do I think we can win that game? Of course we. I do. Again, I have no idea. I don't know what these teams are going to be, but yeah, I think so. The Vikings in Minnesota week 16 I think is going to be very difficult because it's in Minnesota, and if they're even slightly capable, this could be a really tough matchup. I'm not going to go over it because I've talked about Packers-Vikings a lot, but it's going to be tough. Then finally, at Detroit. Now, So this is going to be three divisional games in a row, which, I mean, if I'm right about this being a close race, this is going to be, man, oh man, the ultimate gauntlet to finish this thing out. But, um, you know, again, I'm not going to go over the Lions in detail. It's at Detroit, which is going to be tough. But, I, you know, again, if this Packers offense is able to solidify, if this defense can come together, and, and really that's what this all comes down to, right? We can sit here and look at the schedule and say, oh, hopefully we can we get something in our favor. and all. What matters is if the Packers are a dominant team. Because if all we're doing is taking advantage of little t- interesting things like, oh, we get an extra period of time so that we can beat this team, which is better than us. And, you know, we're playing this team, but they got an injury here so that, 
in this one situation, we're better than them. Are we better than everybody because we're better than everybody? Forget the schedule. Forget all that garbage. When you get into the playoffs, it's about being the best team that there is. If we just happen to be lucking our way into the playoffs, that's not going to do us any good, except once again being a bad team in the... Well, I shouldn't say once again. That wasn't the case in the past, but... What would have been the case last year if we got in, we're essentially just a bad team that lucked into the playoffs, and we get dominated, and then we end up picking late in the draft and losing in the playoffs because we don't belong in the playoffs. I want to be in the playoffs because we belong. I want to win against the Bears, Vikings, and Lions in the last three weeks because we are the best team in the NFC North, and I want to reestablish that dominance in the NFC North, and I want the world to see that we're the best in the NFC North by winning these three games in a row, not because, well, this is a Monday night game, so we get extended time for the second time in a row, by the way, against the Vikings because it's a Monday night game, and then, oh, I don't know, Detroit, who knows what the excuse, whatever. I want to win because we're better end of story. Are they going to be tough games? Yes, but I want to win because we're the best team and that's it. And that's what they want. That's what every team wants. And that's what the fans want. I just want to keep that in perspective because a lot of what we're talking about here is, oh, that's not fair. The schedule, that's not fair. Dude, be better. Be better. You want to win a Super Bowl, but you're worried about, well, the schedule's not fair. Dude, you think the Patriots care that the schedule's fair? That's a team that's going to go 0-4 to start the season and they're going to be in the Super Bowl again. Just be better than everybody. That's it. That's all there is to it. I should be a football coach. I know everything there is to know. This week's meeting, which is five minutes long, be better. Correction, five seconds long. Have a good day. Anyways, speaking of having a good day, I hope you folks have yourselves a fantastic, what is it, Thursday? It is Thursday. That's awesome. Have a great Thursday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.